have some revising to do, Nate. No, we don't. Yeah, we do. This is perfect. How dare you? I don't. I think. I think we made a mistake last. Isaiah Thomas is really good. Isaiah Thomas, on his own, isn't good enough to take his team to fifty something, sixty something wins. And while he is the best player on title teams, it's close with him and with him and Dumars at times. And it's just such a stacked team. That team is ridiculously stacked. I think to point at Isaiah Thomas and say, "Who oh, is him doing it?" is a little unfair. But it is him doing it. <laughs> yeah, it is. I just, I feel like there, there's just a talent disparity between him and Ewing and Robinson where, I don't know, man. I guess it, what it comes down to it is, Isaiah Thomas isn't even All-NBA when they win in 89 and 90. He had been done before that being an All-NBA caliber player. His peak and the, and the rings come at different times. I don't know. I got nothing. Listen, I'm not going to fight you too much in this era of players um or not this era this this range of players so what we ended with isaiah thomas at 35 ewing at 36 david robinson 37 if you want to flip-flop those around i'm not gonna fight you i just kind of hate them we get this point guard glut of going isaiah steve nash jason kidd and gary payton back to back to back yeah maybe we have but it, i think it's right let's just do it all right let's just do it so then we're ending with Gary Payton Sr. at 40. I don't think I've told you this yet, but we've been recording all of these. I had a plan of when I wanted to release these. Okay. How do you feel about releasing these five segments of podcasts during Hanukkah? That's great. <laughs> it's like the... we, could, we could arguably push it to the eight segments if you want to keep the list going. Well, I feel like, I feel like we'll have, you know, our two normal pods, yeah. you know, uh, on the, the other two days. So we'd have like maybe we do the five to get through top one hundred. Then we do like a reflection yeah. pod, and then that's you know, we find another perfect. holiday. I love it. It's the right. the the top one hundred Hanukkah podcast. Okay, so right now I have Ewing at thirty five, then Robinson, Zeke, Steve Nash, right. Kitten, Payton, and I understand like the, you get to that glut of point guards, but that that's that happens before. There there is a a power forward glut after the 20s yeah. and that always kind of happens where these guys are about as good as each other that leaves us with the opening john stockton to continue the run on point guards george gervin to have the fifth shooting guard off the board dominique wilkins 10th small forward willis reed for the 11th center and elvin hayes for the eighth power forward do you have a particular passionate calling on any of those players i think we're gonna see some shooting guards fly off the board here and I'd like to start with uh, with Gervin. You ready to embrace the scorers? I'm ready. I'm ready. I, I think Gervin, on his own, is good enough to be the best player on some 50-something win teams. And the playoffs don't always fall his way, but he's still competing at a high level in tough playoff series against good teams, making it to the Western Conference Finals, going to seven with those guys. He has he leaves rings on the table, for sure. Let me pull up his page, but the, the talent is, is undeniable. You remember my insanity in the last couple of episodes where I put him up for 30, so I'm I'm not opposed. How do you feel he stacks up as a scorer versus Dominique? We're looking at seven All-NBA appearances for each, nine All-Stars for Dominique, 12 for Gervin. I, I do feel like Gervin leads the league in scoring th four times. Dominique does it once. There's a stretch I have highlighted. It's a six-year stretch where Gervin's 29 points, five boards, and three assists on 51% shooting. And in those six years, he picks up four scoring titles. A really good stretch. That's a really good stretch. Um, and even on top of that, 78, 79, 80, 
he has the most points each season. He's third in 81, back to first in 82, then third in 83. Very similar playoff success records. Yeah, very the similar. The one thing that I would just say with Dominique Wilkins is that 88 second-round series against the Celtics, and it is the Eastern Conference champion Celtics, so they meet in the second round. Doesn't mean they're not, you know, doesn't mean anything other than more than you've lost to the best team in the East. Um, Dominique pushes it to seven games. Dominique averages 31 points per game in it. His second best guys are Doc Rivers and Kevin Willis. Randy Whitman's starting. Tree Rollins is starting in on that team. And, and in game seven, Dominique puts up 47 points. And it's it's an efficient 47. He's 19 for 33 here from the floor. Eight for nine from the line. Um, so it's it's really inefficient in 47 points and they lose by two so like he's giving it is his absolute all for sure i think gervin has a very very similar case in terms of the 79 mm-hmm. eastern conference finals going to seven with the bullets all he, he they are up they are up three one his game seven is an efficient 42 42 points six boards and one assist which is a little concerning but that's okay if you're scoring 42 points I think You're it's not much. I think it's really close. I like Gervin over or I, I just wanted to play devil's advocate there for a minute. Um so I'm I'm cool if we want to go Gervin at forty one. Are you alright with Dominique at forty two or do you want to talk about Allen Iverson? I think I like Dominique over Allen Iverson. Okay. Allen Iverson is also one of those crazy he scorers that helped elevate his team probably further than they should have gone. Like that seventy sixers team kind of overachieves kind of does exactly what you would expect. Um, the year before, I think they lose in Game 7. We'll pull that up real quick. Uh, it's it's 6 to the Pacers. But they didn't have Matumbo, and so they moved from being, you know, kind of a, a good defensive team. They had good defensive players around them. Theo Ratliff was no slouch, Eric Snow. But you get Matumbo, and the 2001 team just, just takes off defensively. I've looked at it again. I think, I don't know, I think I like Iverson over over Wilkins. It's super close, but just there's really no time you can point at Wilkins and say he was the catalyst on a on a super great playoff run. Like it's there in eighty eight. Does Dominique ever play in a conference final? No, that that eighty eight series is as deep as he goes. Yeah, and although the help isn't there, I think we should take I think we should go Iverson. Being able to get to that MVP level. He took us, you know, you go to the you do go to the finals, whether that run tends to be overrated for Iverson fans is another story, but he is able to do it. Yeah. Dominique, I will say, did take second in MVP in 86. However, that second in MVP is five first place votes to 73 first place votes. So it's it's a pretty, like, it's not unanimous, but it's pretty close to a unanimous run for Bird. Allen Iverson's 34th in MVP shares of 1.5. And let me find Dominic Wilkins is 53rd with point. Mm-hmm. Eight four. Mm-hmm. Really wish Wilkins could have had more of his career with other good players. We probably wouldn't see him be this great of a scorer, or maybe maybe if he had other great defensive players around him, we would appreciate him more because he would have had more playoff success. But what Dominique has done with the teammates he had, I, I do feel gets underappreciated. I mean, he wasn't named to the NBA's fifty at fifty like that. That was an absolute travesty because we're sitting here debating 42 or 43 and we have another 25 years of NBA history. That's just how wrong the NBA got it. And that's why people reacted incredibly poorly to him not making it. He should have. He absolutely yeah. should have. I'm comfortable with him going with it, us going Gervin Iverson, Dominique. Locking it in. All right. 
So that introduces Tracy McGrady to the board, as well as Paul Pierce. Something I wanted to mention really quickly, um, and I think you'll love this. You mentioned Kevin Willis. So Kevin Willis in 1992 is 18 points and 15 boards, and I think it's the it's one of the most rebounds per game ever, right behind Rodman, essentially. I think it had been the most rebounds anyone had gotten per game since Wilt. And, and Willis complained during that season that Rodman didn't have the responsibility on offense, and so what he was doing was harder. I mean, I'm not going to defend Rodman. That's what I'm saying. I think it's exactly what you've been saying, is, is Willis had the offensive and, and offensive responsibility with the rebounding. Yeah. He was like, this is bullshit. All, all he has to do is rebound. I have to score the ball, too. You could say that Rodman also did more on defense, although Willis was not a slouch defensively. Yeah. All right. So nominations, John Stockton, the point guard, Clyde Drexler, the shooting guard, Paul Pierce, the small forward, Elvin Hayes, the power forward, and Willis Reed, the center. Oh, man. I skipped right over Drexler and went straight to McGrady. And there's another guy. Who's not? Who's eighth on our shooting guard? I don't think I have. I don't. I think I. I, I, I do not have Trace McGrady. Oh, there he is. You, you, you skipped way over. Let me do the nominations. My list is, is easier to read. It's it's Clyde yeah. and then Hal Greer and then McGrady. You're way ahead. Oh my god. Mine's mine's in order of how the Matrix has them, and Hal Greer is so so devalued by the Matrix. I got. I'll t- I'll take care. So we have Stockton, Drexler, Pierce. Hayes and Willis Reed. How about Willis Reed? You get the MVPs, you get the rings, you get that stretch of dominance. It is short-lived, injuries just crush him, but he is a man above 6'7 in 1970, but who, who knows what was going to happen to your knees at that point. I'd be okay with Drexler. I think um, his ability to, to take his team to the finals twice, so that's a very good team, is something that's a little underrated. I think him not playing super well in either of those finals kind of devalues those runs, but they're still definitely there. You can say, hey, you could have Clyde Drexler as the best player in a finals team, and yeah, absolutely did it twice. Well, oh yeah, he did do it twice, didn't he? Yeah, he totally did. What am I thinking? I was thinking that one of the two was the Houston series, where I, I wouldn't call him the best player, but I do think he played pretty well, well for being the second best guy, and Houston absolutely does not get it without him. Mm-hmm. I like putting Drexler in here. My other thought was Elvin Hayes. Whoa, it's high. It's high for Hayes, man. It's 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 a little bit lower um, than the Matrix, and his actual average um, across the writers' polls is forty fifth. So this is it's actually right in line um, writers' polls wise. Uh, Dominique is forty fourth, Elvin Hayes is forty fifth, and uh, Drexler is forty sixth. So this is this is actually the right range for all of these guys. Um, I it just, feels like it. I know I have a strong anti Hayes bias because of my love of Kareem and how much Kareem loves. Loves to basically use using polite words. Call Elvin Hayes a punk ass bitch. Hayes is kind of unliked. I think that, and that, that comes down to him. And you see it in the '78 finals where he's playing really well. He ends up playing poorly in Game Seven, and they give the finals MVP to Willis Riera and to Wes Unseld. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Hey, here you go, Wes." They're they're probably fucking stoked so happy they don't have to give elvin hayes the, the finals MVP award yeah he fouls out of game in seven of the 78 finals and they're just like oh cool we don't have to like honor you in any meaningful way i i'm, I'm okay with drexler over him really drexler making back-to-back finals it goes under the radar a lot like i, I don't know how many times i've seen people talk about the all-time shooting guard rankings and they'll put reggie miller above him that's absurd. It really is. It's absurd, but it happens so much. I just saw, I think it was Player's Choice, the TikTok account, and they were discussing the top five shooting guards, and they put Manu Ginobili in there. And it's like, 
you have a guy who led his team to two finals, and yes, he gets punked by Jordan. So what? Everyone got punked by Jordan. Yeah, all of the 90s. And he had the, the like, roughness of actually having to match up one-on-one with Jordan. Like, yeah, let's do it. Let's put Drexler there. I think I love that placement. In my original top 75, I think I had him closer to 50, maybe 51. And I, I always felt weird about that. And even looking at this now, if you had Drexler, like, top 40, I don't think, like, ahead of Kid, I, I don't think I'd really bat an eye too much at that. Like, I think it's a good spot for him. Do you want to move him up? We can. <laughs> we can. There's, there's Dominique. <laughs> Sneak him over. Nah, I, I think he's I think he's in the right place behind Dominique because he also had more help. He had way more help. Um, those teams are really good, almost, almost instantly. As soon as he gets there, he makes the playoffs basically every single year because they were good when he got there. And that's really I don't I don't want to take away from his ability because when Drexler's going crazy, it, it's him leading the Blazers. But it also is kind of short lived. Looking at it, his run of elite elite play starts in '88 and he's already 25, and it kind of ends it. At 31, essentially. 35. 19, sorry, 19. Um, so there's uh, 88 to 95. That's kind of it. And maybe a few of those years, he's, he's crazy elite. But I think the two finals teams um, are, are really, really what we need. I know I said back to back. It was 90 and 92, not back to back years. But if you look at the 90s, takes a team to the finals in 90, takes a team to the finals in 92, helps a team win a finals in 95. That's, that's a good six year run. I like it. The other issue being he has what well, he has one other Western Conference Finals appearance in '91, so it is that three-year run: Finals, Western Conference Finals, Finals. It's really impressive. I don't know, man. Yeah, I wish there was some way to weight the Matrix for making it deeper. I mean, I know I increased playoff win shares and they're doubled, um, but like winning a game in the first round should be worth less than winning a game in the Western Conference Finals. Like that, they should have a multiplication effect that I just don't have the data sources. To build that out. Make it happen, man. Your wife's out of town. You got all the time in the world. Hey, I'm just out here winning money at poker. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. I invited a bunch of people over to my house, and then I took their money. It was a great time <laughs> <laughs> last night. It sounds like the best time in the world, man. Uh, all right. So if we lock in, then Drexler. How do you feel about Elvin Hayes? Because I, I kind of like Elvin Hayes over Willis Reed. Really? Let me look at Elvin real quick. I just I just want to refer. It's been a while since I've willingly looked at the Elvin Hayes. We're talking better awards. We're talking better statistics. You know, Elvin never gets on an MVP level. Yeah, he doesn't. Doesn't Willis Reed have two of those? He's got one. He's got one. Yeah. Better is a, just... where, does he, where does he finish in some other year? He finishes second in 69. First and 70 and fourth and 71 and never gets MVP votes outside of that. I'm just, I'm not, th- there's part of, part of me is sees Elvin and kind of an inefficient black hole and you kind of question how effective he is. Am I crazy to, to, to see the 45% from the field and 1.8 assists to 2.4 turnovers and, and just wonder about what's, what's happening? No, no, not, not at all. That's, that's a fair Critique. Uh, I mean, another critique is if we look at the era in which he plays, you know, he's got the whole ABA time frame. Basically, he's in the NBA and he's not making the playoffs. He makes it in 69, loses in the first, makes it in 73, loses in the first, makes it in 74, loses in the first. In 75, he makes the finals. 76, really loses in the first. Team. That's a 60 yeah. win bullets team as well just to just to defend him a little bit yeah but we're talking 70 71 72 not making the playoffs 
in the weakest era of the NBA. Like this is this is when you should be able to just will your team if you are a, that good of a player. And this is one of our critiques of Wilt that we had a while back ago is the statistical dominance was there but when you look at that they're just not winning it it's kind of a it's red flag is is elvin hayes just power forward built that that is kind of what kareem calls him without, <laughs> without calling out will kareem hated lots of people uh, he kareem is a is a temperamental man listen kareem just kareem was honest kareem was like listen the media does not like me because i am I'm Muslim because I'm black because of all of these reasons and so if I'm gonna speak to them I'm just gonna let them know what I really think yeah kind of cold I, I think people I think the NBA media in general was, was pretty thrilled with Michael with magic with literally anyone else coming in that wasn't cream they're like yes the best player in the world isn't cream anymore you don't have to talk to him all right so I, I will say this looking at, at win shares Hayes never has a regular season with 13 or more. Willis Reed has two seasons with 14 or more. Hayes has over 120 career win shares. Willis Reed has 75 career win shares. So there's a sizable gap in longevity, but the peak statistics do point to Willis Reed. Also, the MVP points to Willis Reed. If you prefer peak to longevity, then I think the right play is, is Willis Reed over Alvin Hayes. And I, and I do. I do prefer peak over longevity. I, I do as well. So I, I'll go with it. Um, are we comfortable with Hayes next? Or is there a guy that you want to make an argument for over Hayes? Let me take a look. With Willis Reed getting taken out, it's Kali Jokic. It is the Joker coming up for the center position. So quick. So so soon. I think I do like Hayes. Stockton's good. We're getting to the point where John Stockton is kind of looking at me. Yeah. Yeah. I got one more name that I want over Stockton. At least really, who is maybe it? two. Um, so I, I hate to say this because I've been kind of an anti-Paul Piercer. Um, and I, I feel really shitty, but I just I don't know. I I the more I look at it, the less sure I am. And unless we want to run at shooting guard, which I could be also be talked into a run at shooting guard here with Hal Greer. It's it's up there because we're at this point we're talking about the, the the second options are intersecting with the first options. This is where peak number one's or sorry, mid-tier, mid-tier top 100 level ones <laughs> and top-tier level twos are, are really starting to to blend. Um, l- let me think about Hal Greer for a second here. With Hal Greer, we're talking about seven All-NBA selections, 10, ten, ten All-Star selections, an NBA championship. I don't know if he takes finals MVP. He leads the team in scoring, but Wilt's doing finals so MVP. much that's probably still Wilt. Just, just yet. What was that? The word didn't exist yet. Yeah, yeah, but if it did, okay. I think it, I think ceremoniously it'd probably be built, given he was MVP yeah. and first is the first of his his first ring, his baby's first ring, and he finally got. Although Hal Greer is spectacular, you could argue he is unlike you know unlike Stockton, the best player on a title team. Or sorry, the second best player on a title team. Jokic is kind of looking at me. I'm not saying we should put him in yet. But he's so good. He gets back-to-back MVPs, and Stockton's just so far from that level. Yeah, I, I really just kind of want to say, like, my thing with Stockton is that he... I got in trouble for this, but but he runs the offense. Sure. He does not elevate. He His job is to try to help other people elevate. There are a series where Malone plays David Robinson, so we're pretty much dead even. And you would think having the second top 50 player should get you somewhere. 
you would think that his ability to be this other great guy should should help should should take them somewhere and it just doesn't the like the stockton numbers are always underwhelming when you need him to be you run into this issue of can stockton be the second best player on a title team yes if the first guy is one of the five best players in the league what does that make stockton because if you're telling me that stockton's one of the 30 best players in the league one of the 40 best players sorry one of the 30 or 40 best players ever and let's say carl's at least top 30 even to the most biased fan what happened in utah how is it possible that these two guys because having a second star was rare in the 90s mm -hmm. robinson had a nice team it's mostly, let's say, Sean Elliott, Terry Cummings, and Strickland, and whatever they made of Maurice Cheeks, and Ewing gets Starks in a great defense. Hakeem has his, the shooters around him and Drexler, and those those guys all have some success, Robinson less so. Carl Malone and John Stockton make the finals twice. Prior to that, they're still together since 86, and they, don't do, they do not find that kind of success. Someone isn't as good as we think they are, and I think it's Stockton. I mean... I think in all honesty, it's both of them. The two of them have this complete symbiotic relationship where Malone is not scoring as well without Stockton setting him up. And Stockton is really just setting up Malone. You know, when Nash is out there running the offense, Nash can set up Boris Diaw. Nash can set up Joe Johnson, Quentin Richardson, Amari Stoudemire, Sean... Like, you can change the pieces around. And, and you have pretty much the same result. Stockton, it's it's Stockton and Malone, and Stockton is a brilliant passer. But there are times where you need him to be a scorer, and he is just not giving you that. He's the worst scorer of all the great point. Yes, and that that's matters. including Bob Cousy. That's true. Definitely including Bob Cousy. Cousy was was second in a few scoring title races. Yeah. So there are seven games in which the Jazz. They were elimination games. Some of them were game five, some of them were game seven, because the NBA used to do five-game series. Um, but basically, seven game seven. Seven chances to either eliminate or be eliminated. And I'm, I'm looking through the numbers right here, and I'm finding Stockton has impressive games in one of them. He doesn't starting, come through. Yeah. Starting in 87, 14 points, 13 assists, five for nine from the floor. It's it's kind of his standard game. It's not a bad game. It's just just an average game. In '88, this is his one really impressive game. Stockton gets 29 points, 20 assists. Whew, that's a great game. 10 for 15. That is a that's a great game. They lose this one because Magic Johnson's on the other side. It's Magic, James Worthy, Byron Scott, uh, AC Green, Old Kareem. Uh, but but all right, great game, great game. 1990, Stockton has nine points, 17 assists. 3 for 11 from the floor. He's passing well. But not scoring well. Not scoring well. 93, Stockton, 19 points, 11 assists, 4 for 8. 8 from the floor. Like, it's it's good, but they lost by 8. I'd really like it if Stockton could do some more and or get get someone other than Carl Malone involved. Stockton's the second leading scorer, and he's not... He shouldn't be the second leading scorer and be under 20 points, basically what I'm trying to say. Essentially. It's... With Stockton, the year he breaks the record for most assists per game ever in a season, the Jazz are a bad offensive team. Yeah, they are bottom ten on offense. It doesn't. He's able to do this thing with Malone that makes them super competitive. They make the playoffs every single year. That's why we're even having this conversation about Stockton in the top fifty because he's really good at that. But he is 
so far behind someone like Nash, someone like Gary Payton, or someone like Kuzi in terms of their offensive impact, because Gary Payton could score. Nash could get anyone involved, and Kuzi could get anyone involved as well. A lot of the times in these big Jazz games, especially come down in the finals against the Bulls, the Jazz offense stalls in the last few minutes because they're, they've been doing this Stockton Malone shit for a year. Everyone knows it's coming, and mm-hmm. there's no second option. Stockton's not going to kill you. Stockton's not going to kill you with his scoring. So let's see what Carl Malone can do. Let's run the pick and roll again. And the Bulls are able to stop that. It's a little bit like the Bucks before Budenholzer got interesting, before he started mixing things up. Like you, you don't have time to prepare for Giannis in a regular season matchup, and so you lose. And and that's that's why Stockton Malone produce fifty to sixty wins a year. But when you get to the playoffs, you start having time to game plan and figure it out. And over the course of a series. He's just an incredibly fallible player. So I guess we've just done nothing to but bash on Stockton for the last five minutes. That doesn't help us with who's 47. How do you feel about Hal Greer? I have 46. Who's 46 for you? Uh, I, I put Elvin Hayes in. And I guess I guess we never fully agreed on Elvin Hayes. Fuck it, dude. Let's just, let's just put him in. Got it. Elvin Hayes comes off. Anthony Davis emerges as our power forward nomination. Don't you hate AD see? here. Ooh, really? I mean... You want to say Stockton? Right. Forget about it. Just get him out of here and start having fun. No, no. Let's let's. Um, I, I think Hal Greer is a much better second option than Stockton. Okay. So I, I'd at least take Hal Greer over it, over Stockton. Because Greer is able to elevate in the playoffs in a massive way in '67. It doesn't stuck. The Stockton averages like nine points per game in the finals or something preposterous like that. It's just true. Yes, nine points and basically nine assists in the 98 finals. He is also 35 at the time. This this is the thing. So many players, their statistical best performances are not their championship runs. Like, players hit this apex of their individual abilities, and then usually scale down and realize they need more help. And part of more help is they have to let other people do something more. You know, whether that's ball handle more, whether that's score more. Like, a lot of guys have their peak, and then they have their... Um, their championship. Like, we see it with Dirk. We even see it with Kobe to some degree. I think mm-hmm. those those solo years with Kobe are his apex as a player from a physical, technical standpoint. And then he gets that mentally developed point later, and, and that's probably his best. But wh- where do you want to go? I like how I like how Greer, I'm looking at him right now. The 68 Eastern Divisional Finals in Game 7. He plays fantastic. He's, 12, he's at 22 points, 11 boards, 5 assists. 8 or 25 from the field, but he's shooting. But I think the Sixers are killed by just a, another really weird Wilt game. It's one of the weirdest Wilt games. And I I was on, um, oh, he'd made this argument before about Wilt where he has so much basketball potential, but it's almost misplaced. Mm-hmm. He's, he's like, I'm going to score 50 or I'm not going to score at all. It's almost like a toddler, which he's like, what do you really want? What do you want? And he's like, all the way this way or all the way that way. Like, no, like, a little in between, because in, in this game, seven, Wilt is 14 points, five assists, and 34 rebounds. He takes nine shots, which is good for sixth on his own team. And this is this is the year after they win the title and Wilt, like, quote-unquote, figures it out. He takes a step back this year in, in what the fuck to do on the basketball court, and they lose to, they lose to Boston. Yeah, all right. I had, a, I had to sneak in some Wilt slander. Hey, I'm not going to fight you there. I, Wilt, Wilt's just such an interesting guy looking back in the history because you can fall in love with his numbers super easily and we see that happen at times 
Um, you know, if you look back, like I've got a lot of major publications rankings going back to 2010. I just started collecting them in 2010. And like Wilt is second in a good number of these. Like, but the, he slowly moves out of second and starts falling. Like ESPN had him at fifth at one point, And I guess they still have him at sixth. And like Bleacher Report shot. It, it just, yeah, it's, it, Wilt's an interesting case. But I think we're right in, in continuing to drop him because winning matters. It does. Show up in game seven. Don't shoot nine times. Yeah. Now we've almost got a bunch of modern players and we still have Stockton. But we got T-Mac. We got Paul Pierce. We have Anthony Davis and we got Jokic. Is Stockton going to be a top 75 player? <laughs> yes. Yes. Stockton will be a top 75. I The longevity matters. And this is the thing. It's like we keep valuing peaks at some point, and you know, we're talking about being number one versus number two. We're talking peak versus longevity. Stockton's insane longevity matters. Like yeah. I'm, there's there's two more power forwards that I'd consider taking him, taking over him. There's I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm taking him before I'm taking Cindy Moncrief, who's a couple shooting guards down. I'm I'm probably taking Stockton. Well, I don't know. We might be able to get a few more centers off the board. But who do you like at 48? I like yeah. Stockton stares at me. I think he's. I, I usually have him higher than this, and so he seems the most out of place. I think Stockton should be over T Mac. What do you think about that? So prime versus or peak, definitely T Mac. Longevity is so far in Stockton's favor that I wouldn't fight this. Um, it, it flies in the face of a lot of my like ideas of where I put the finger on the scale. But all things being equal and using the matrix as a scale, Stockton is significantly higher. Stockton has lasted forever. I'm fine with him coming in at 48. I think with, with T-Mac, he has a seven-year run where he's all-NBA and all-star. So it's not like we don't see any of him. We still understand how good Tracy McGrady could be, but part of that is him being banged up all the time. A lot of these seasons where he is all-NBA, he is all-star. He ends the season flat in the playoffs, and he's hurt. He loses time for those injuries. It's not seven prime, healthy, full years. It's seven years where some of them end with him hurt and some of them end, all of them end with him losing in the first round. Well, and it's also seven years of his co-star being incredibly fragile as well. Like, I, I don't know what the odds are, but he gets to Orlando. And do you know how, how many games Grant Hill plays in the four years, first four years that the two of them are in Orlando? Like, like 45. Yeah, yeah. Quite literally, right? he plays 47 games. Just T-Mac drags those Orlando Magic teams to the playoffs and is averaging 30-plus points per game in the playoffs just with them. And actually, they push the Pistons. Um, they push, what is it, the 1-8 matchup, I want to say? Yeah, it's the 1-8 matchup. And T-Mac pushes it to Game 7. And, like, I don't care that he didn't make it out of the first round. He's the 8th seed against the Pistons the year before they win the title. And his team is starting Andrew DeCleric, <laughs> Gordon Gerzlich, Gerzich, Gerzich. Don't disrespect these guys. You have the European mafia shouldn't up your house. 21-year-old Drew Gooden, Jacques Vaughn. Like, Jacques Vaughn is the most competent player on this team outside of T-Mac and, and Drew Gooden. I guess Drew Gooden, even as at 21, is better than everyone else. Sean Kemp at 33 is getting minutes. I think I'm kind of interested in T-Mac here. I'm looking at this. I know Tracy McGrady's better than John Stockton. I know he is. It's, But the question is, is he more valuable in NBA history? Is is having these seven years 
there's some T-Mac better. And I would argue yes. I'm um, going to say yeah. I think I've convinced myself. John Stockton doesn't have a, a single series where it's like, oh shit, here's John Stockton pushing this team to seven on his own. That never happens. Yeah. We also, we don't talk a ton, a ton about this, um, but like talent and skill wise, Tracy McGrady can score, pass, and rebound. The, the big three. His defense waxes and wanes. There's a fantastic series where he pushes the Mavericks to Game 7. It's a it's the 4-5 mm-hmm. matchup, and they lose it. Um, and he's playing fantastic defense on Dirk Nowitzki. Like, he has all of all of the tools. Effort's, effort's questionable. But I just, I really like T-Mac. And I think his lack of co-stars, as well as his own injury history, it is a major problem. I've locked it in, putting T-Mac up. Perfect. I just, just, I also just want to bring up, like, when he played with Yao, Yao missed the playoffs. Yao played under 60 games three out of the five years they're together. It's Tracy McGrady was absolutely good enough to be the best player on a finals team if his second best player was alive, was not in the hospital, was not on the sideline in, in a boot. It was there. Like the You talk about leaving rings on the table all the time. Maybe I only talk about that. I, don't, I think you mentioned that once, and then I'm the only one who's mentioned that since. <laughs> I keep on saying I, that you have. Um no, no, this is this is my theory. I, I'm a rings on the table type of guy. Okay. Who, when do you think Tracy McGrady left rings on the table? Every damn season of his career. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. That's that's kind of what I'm saying is all of those years, if the TLV are even just a little bit better, there, there's a universe where T-Mac is able to get that done. I think Stockton, in Stockton's case, everything goes right. He has a player that's better than him the whole time. He has, um, I can picture his name. It's He gets Jeff Hornacek, who's a really good shooting guard, and then there's another shooting guard before that, whose name is Jeff Malone. Yeah, Jeff Malone. And it, like, he has these teammates that are scoring for him, that are rebounding for him, that are playing defense. Although Stockton's a fantastic defender, McGrady never has that. Yeah, yeah. And, and the one year that he kind of gets it, the, the 09 Rockets were phenomenal. And, and McGrady's hurt a lot of that year. But when him and Yao like, have this intersection, they should have won a title. They should have been there. And they're just not because of injuries and, and every other thing possible. Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm a huge team mic stand. Uh, he also comes in 48th in the Matrix, which I just made a video about saying is a little bit high. Um, he's 56th in the writers' polls, polls and rankings. But just what the man brings to the table, I think, I think goes underrated. What does he do, or what does Kevin Garnett do that he doesn't do? And we give Kevin Garnett this huge pass on not making the playoffs or on not getting out of the first round when he doesn't have help. Like, T-Mac got his teams there. Like, it's it's very comparable, the two of them. I was going to say, 2007 Western Conference first round, Utah beats Houston. T-Mac plays fairly well. He's 29, 29 points, 13 assists. Five boards, actually a pretty good game. Yao Ming has 29 as well, but Utah gets eaten up by Carlos Boozer. 35, 14, 5. Shout out Carlos Boozer. Is he number 49? Is Carlos Boozer number When does Carlos Boozer start coming in? Uh, Bo- Boozer's, Boozer's got a little ways before he can show up on this list. It's too bad. We should just throw him in there. See if anyone notices. I want to let you know, I just wrote 50 next to a player. Okay. I'm not going to tell you who it is. It's one of our five if candidates, but... Stock, so our candidates are John Stockton, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Anthony Davis, and Nikola Jokic. Is it Jokic time? Is it time for Jokic? 
he's he's reached a level that's a way above all of these guys arguably the best player in the world winning back-to-back mvps the playoff success in it isn't there but the playoff performance is it is in full he is a dominant playoff force i think it should be him i, I think it should be him too wow let's do it Get some Jokic stuff. Jokic in the playoffs. He's already won four playoff series, which is more than I think. I think it's more than Carmelo and Dominique. Maybe more than Gervin too. Yeah. So it's Very technically possible. definitely more than Gervin. Jokic has been able to take his team to the Western Conference Finals. He's gotten out of the first round twice. Other than that, in the playoffs, he's twenty-six points, eleven and a half boards, six and a half assists on 50, 40, 84 splits. You can make an argument. He should be higher. You could. You could. And that argument is just if he's if he decides that he wants to go live in the Tuscan countryside and ride horses and never play basketball again, and this is all the career that we've seen, which really we should say the off season was all the career we've seen because now we're getting back into a fluidity circumstance and and it, this is going to change every single day now because we've got more players and they're playing. But if that's all we've seen and that's that's all we get to judge him by, I think fifty is a great spot for him. It is the lowest of all two-time MVPs that two-time NBA MVPs there is one more two-time ABA MVP below him but I, th- I think this feels right is this at 50 for you that's at 50 who do you have a 49 Grayson McGrady oh who's a I'm an idiot somehow uh, I marked John no 48 was John Stockton I didn't agree on that I had McGrady above Stockton agree? okay okay what am I doing here why did I mark Stockton listen man don't trust my numbers <laughs> all right all right so then we still have a 50. We still have a 50. You could just say Stockton, get it over with. Just be happy. Good. I, I'm weighing Stockton versus Pierce versus Davis in my mind. Uh, taking Jokic off the board gives us Dwight Howard, who I also kind of wouldn't mind. You kind of wouldn't mind it. Are we insane people? Are we crazy? Because most other people would say Stockton is just is way up there. But you look at it and you're like, I just don't see it. What I don't see that the... the of the value he's bringing in a sense he's bringing consistency he's bringing a very high f- well i don't know he's bringing a high floor i'm trying to think how versatile are his skills if i could go back in time i would stomp on john stockton's foot in like 1993 just to see what carmelone could have done on his own as just so we could have it just one year we could say no actually carmelone won 50 games on his own john stockton wasn't that important but we'll never know because they all played both of them played every single game I think there's seven games where Stockton doesn't have the love, and I, I, something similar, vice versa. I I was trying to match up Stockton and Malone's games uh, because I wanted to see if Malone had a bad shooting night, how it affected Stockton's assists. Mm. Is there any correlation? I didn't do it for a large enough sample size, but yeah, there there was a pretty decent correlation of hey, if Malone shot like if Malone had a game where he shot like thirty percent. Stockton didn't have assists. Like, Stockton's assist fell in half, basically. Did Stockton score? Because that's kind of what we're looking for. No. Yeah. No. And, and like, I got to do a lot more of matching these up to to really validate that claim. It's my hypothesis right now, is that he just gives the ball to Malone and Malone scores. And if Malone's defended well, they both kind of fall apart. Um, But at the same time, the argument for Stockton is not his peak. It's his longevity. Longevity of what? What is he longevity? What is, there's the question. What is he longevity? <laughs> what are we getting? Are we getting the, the second best player on, on a 50-something win team? This is all Jerry Sloan's fault. Jerry Sloan should have never done this. 
He created the perfect pick and roll system. We're never going to know the true value of these players. From 85 to 2003, how many sub 500 seasons do you think they had? Zero. Zero. Yeah, none, none at all. I think they how win many... 60 just twice. Three times. But Three how many 50 plus win seasons do you think they have? How many, how many years are on the table? Oh gosh, we're looking at 18 years. 50, I'm guessing. And I should say 50 year equivalent, because uh, there is the lockout year where they only play yeah. 50 games. 50 game equivalent. I'll say I'll say 15 out of the nah, 14 out of the 17. Yeah, it's like 13. Keep losing track in here, but it, it's an insane stretch. It, I mean, it lasts from the, just 94 to 2001 straight. They're over 50 wins. 93 is kind of a down year. I'll have to look more into that, but 92, 89 to 92 over 50 wins. Like you are guaranteeing your team and your fan base playoff basketball, and you're promising them the hope that if things go right, you can you can you can win a championship. You never do, but they run into some. They are what two of the ten best teams never to win the win the win a ring. However, yeah. Because they run into the Bulls. Let's just let's do Stockton at, at fifty. I think yeah. I'm comfortable with it. I think it's a good spot for him. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I don't want to make the case for Davis. I think Davis's MVP chances are are nil at this point. His chance of being the second best player on team, he did good show that Finals MVP. Maybe could have gone to him, but naturally would never go to him. It's gonna to go to LeBron. I don't love Paul Pierce. I feel like he's a good stats, bad team guy until he gets the perfect two complementary stars. Sure. They're not that bad, though. They're making the playoffs. He makes the Eastern Conference Finals, doesn't he? Yeah, that's, that's one time. And that is that era of the East is really bad. So that gives us our first new point guard of the day in Walt Frazier. The man who invented How do you feel cool. about Walt Frazier? He invented cool. Such a good player. I'd be, and I, I honestly would, would be comfortable with him at this 51 spot. The Knicks are, are driven by... By him. They have Willis Reed. Reed wins an MVP. Frazier never gets to MVP levels, but Reed is is out by pretty quickly by the 72 ring here. By the 73 by the 73 ring, he's barely playing. And it's Frazier driving the bus at that point. So I like the idea of it. And I'm I'm a big Walt Frazier guy, but like Dwight's case more. Not actually give, a big Dwight person. But give me the Dwight case. The Dwight case is best player on a finals team. The Dwight case yeah. is is three-time defensive player of the year. Big man defense is always more important than guard defense. I know Walt Frazier was an excellent defensive player, but not not to the Dwight level. That's true. I think that's both their calling cards is defense. Dwight is better. Secondary, I would say, is Walt's passing. Walt is probably better passer than Dwight is score, although Dwight, Dwight has some good runs. Um, I will never quite understand. What was that weird Charlotte series where he averages like 10 points? I really need to find out more details on that. It's just such a weird statistical anomaly. Is Walt Frazier not the best player on the 73 Knicks, though? They win, they win the finals that year. But by every statistical measure, he is the, he's the best player on that. He's second, okay. he's third, it's like third in boards, number one in assists, number one in scoring. That team is also loaded, though. It's loaded, but he's playing really well. He's in the first round, he's 21, 8, and 7, then 26, 7, and 6. And then the finals, his scoring comes down, but he's still really good. I mean, just that team. Stop me when you don't know a player. Walt <laughs> Frazier, Dave DeBuscher, Earl Monroe, Willis Reed, Jerry Lucas, Bill Bradley, Bill Jackson, Henry Bibby, Dick Barnett, Dean Meminger. 
I do not know Dean. All right. There you go. I did cherry pick around because I was like, you're going to know Henry Bibby. <laughs> You'll know Mike Bibby's dad. That's true. Also, Dick Barnett. Very not fair. Much of a I, on that team. Do you want to go Dwight then Frazier? I like Dwight then Frazier. I, I can get behind Sounds that. Great. Give me the Dwight case where you move on. I mean, the Dwight case is just is that he was a statistically dominant a big man, the best center for for a period. And I know it's a down era for centers, but teams had to start figuring out how to counter Dwight. The he helped move basketball evolutionally forward by being such a good big man that you could have a four guard kind of weird amalgamation. It, it's kind of Warriors light with a really good big man because all of these different players shoot, pass, can ball handle, um, and it only works because Dwight is that defensive anchor that can cover for a lot of negative defenders. I mean, that team is running Hedu, Richard Lewis, um, then later an old Vince Carter, Jameer Nelson, J.J. Redick. Like, the fact that that team is competent defensively should not go understated. There's a reason why he's a three-time defensive player of the year. 2000, 2009, they make the finals, and Dwight goes up against LeBron yep. in the conference finals, and he outplays him and beats him. He's better in that series, and not by much, but the Magic win, and it's because Dwight is unbelievable. 2009 is just one of my favorite what-if years. Like, I, I just have to say it, because it's, it's why we played the game. The Nuggets, incredibly good. I forget what their what-if was. I forget, I, there was a fluke thing that happened in the Western Conference Finals that if they won, could they have beaten the Magic? Could could Carmelo have gotten a ring? Maybe. We'll never know. If if the Cavs had gotten over him, which they played to game, I guess it was only game six, but c- could they get a ring? Maybe. Maybe we finally get the LeBron-Kobe showdown. That would have been awesome to see. In the semifinals, they play the Boston Celtics. Celtics coming off their championship. If Dwight isn't a monster in that series, could could they have won? Maybe. Like, or if Houston Rockets, if Yao and T Mac were both healthy, that team that team pushes the Lakers to seven without T Mac. Maybe it's just there's like six different scenarios where if one bounce of the ball goes different, you end up with a different champion. I love 2009. It's a great season. That leaves us with the nominations of Russell Westbrook, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Anthony Davis. And Dave Cowens. Mm. Give me one, Nate. What are you thinking? Mm. I mean, Cowens is the name that jumps off the board, but I'm I'm thinking. I'm thinking about it for a second here because Westbrook is also there, and Westbrook's statistical dominance shouldn't go underrated, but I do kind of like... I like Davis over Westbrook, and that might be a little bit of recency bias. Let me see. How do you feel about Russell Westbrook? Prime Westbrook is guaranteeing you a playoff berth. Yeah. What he does in the playoffs is is whatever after that. He is probably the best player left on the board. There also is a time where he is an awesome second option. I think people maybe focus too much on his first option stuff, where it's both awesome and disappointing at the same time. You're not really sure where to land with it. Mm-hmm. But just looking at 2012, 2013, and 2014, he's playing really well next to, next to Durant. There's the case. So he's able to be a a pretty good number one option, an MVP, one of the most dominant statistical players ever. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's the right spot for him. It's interesting. Uh, the numbers all point to him being much higher. Um, even even the writers' polls have him a tad bit higher at forty seven. The awards amalgamation has him in twenty ninth. Like Westbrook, Westbrook checks all of the boxes except for the eye test. Which How tells you that, that well, it just uh, he checks all the boxes, but the eye test, meaning like 
the teams that he's on have a flaw, and he's a part of that flaw. Like, I'm trying to think here. If you put Davis and Durant together, that team wins a title, right? I'd like their chances. I'd like their chances. I don't know who you put Westbrook with that Westbrook wins a title, because you put him next to Durant, and they didn't win. They did not. They did not. And maybe it's just the hypothetical. Yeah, 2013 Westbrook does get hurt. Maybe that's that was their best chance um, right after their their finals birth. In 2014, he comes back even better. Even better, they end up running into a buzzsaw that is the 2014 Spurs. They still take two games off of those guys. Then again, in 2016, the numbers are there. The efficiency is not. But they managed to get to the Western Conference Finals again. It's it, it is hard because I agree with you in a sense where the floor and the ceiling are about an inch apart from each other in terms of a, a Westbrook led team. You're gonna win forty something games. You're gonna make the playoffs. And you're gonna lose in the first round. Who would you consider above him? Well, sorry, I was I was pulling up his numbers here. They lose to Golden State in seven after being up three one. Yeah, how do you play in those last four games? He averages twenty six points, ten point seven assists, seven point seven rebounds with 3.7 steals. Those are good. How he does it is by also averaging five turnovers a night and 36.8% from the field, including 26.3 from three. This guy's shooting, making a quarter of his three-point attempts, and he's shooting six a game. He's a historically inefficient player. It feels like if Frazier wanted to, if Kidd wanted to, if Nash wanted to, they could probably get to 30 and 10 on the worst efficiency in the league. Mm-hmm. Man, if you could give me the other options we have are Dave Cowens, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and Anthony Davis. Yeah, guys... I think Westbrook is the right call. No, no, I think Westbrook is the right, the right call. And then, then I think we drop into a Cowens, Davis, Paul Pierce debate. Cowens is nice. He has the MVP. He has the two rings. He also is playing in the ABA era. Yeah, that, that that's pretty much the Cowens story. Also. His dominance is fairly short-lived. Well, I will say, he is playing in the ABA era, but the NBA has all of the best centers in the league. Like, I mean, I guess I think Artis Gilmore is across the pond. He's in the ABA. But for the most part, this is a really stacked era for centers. And you see guys quite commonly having really good MVP <laughs> distinctions and not winning uh, or not being all-NBA team. Like... Cowens gets second team All NBA, but he's third in MVP in '76. Um, second in MVP in '75, also second team All NBA. Uh, fourth in MVP in '74, does not get an All NBA selection because it's just it's so center focused and heavy that his awards actually probably understate his value. I, I like Cowens over Davis because I think Cowens has a closer closer case to have been the best player on a championship team. And it feels weird to say this, but I think Davis might have a longer longevity. He does. He does. retires at 31. He's just like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out of here. Honestly, Davis should have considered it. <laughs> That's true. When, when, when was, uh, well, how old is Anthony Davis? He's not 31 yet. No, he's 29 right now. But honestly, if Davis had just said, cool, I want a chip, I'm done, and just walked away, he would forever be talked about as the what if NBA guy. And now he's, uh, how do you look? Well, he looked pretty good last night for the most part. We'll talk about he that had after, the, after the pod. But Yeah, he had moments of looking like a superstar with LeBron out. But yeah, it's just, it's not great. Do you want to go Cowens then Davis? I think I do. I think I do. You and I message about different matrices and models, and you mentioned trying to put PER back into one of yours. And I was like, I had to take it out because PER 
just makes Anthony Davis look like a god. Like, I think he's one of the 10 best players in NBA history by PER. Davis is a special, special talent. You could argue he should be top 30 just on talent and ability alone. He doesn't have the perfect teams around him, but also it kind of goes back to what we talked about power forwards a long time ago in Davis needing a center. If the Once Davis played center for the Pelicans, that's when they won some playoff series. They really unlocked his potential, but he's always been so dead set on, I need Alexis Aginsa, which who he, he said that, that is a quote, that he wanted that guy on the team. He needs Omar Ashik, and it really handicaps the Pelicans' abilities. It does, but I don't entirely disagree with him. When Davis bulks up to handle the pounding of a center, he, he loses a lot of what makes him great. There was an amazing sequence in the Kings game, which when this gets released will have been a while ago, where Davis picks off a full court pass, falls out of bounds, throws it away to the defense. The Kings go back, try to get a layup, and Davis gets back in the play and blocks the shot. If he's put on weight to, to handle bigs, he can't do it. He just can't do it anymore. Not even that he has to put on weight, but when they just tell him at his power forward weight just to play center, he's above the rim doing crazy shit, defending the defending the rim and def- and dominating the paint like we really hadn't seen from a power forward in a long time. Yeah, he, he's a phenomenal player. I think 55 is the right spot for him, but I think our, his career is going to leave us lacking. Like, ugh, why couldn't he have been David Robinson? Uh, you know, the, there's he has the ability and the talent to do it. I mean, we just we didn't see him get there. From age 20 to 27, he was 25 points, 10 and a half boards, two and a half assists, one and a half steals, two and a half blocks on 51% shooting, including 31% from deep. He had it all, yeah. and his body just slowly broke down. But I think that's the right spot for him. Yeah, I mean, the lack of playoff success does really bother me. The fact that he couldn't get his teams there. And he, he gets two playoff series before joining the Lakers. Three playoff series, sorry. Do you want to consider the next center after Cowens went off the board and Bob McAdoo? No. All right. No, because McAdoo's got the same sort of thing. Except for McAdoo just has this three-year peak where he just lights out scoring. I think, yeah, looking at what we have, I think Davis is the right call. All right. So then then I'm starting to get into a position where I'm kind of comfortable with Paul Pierce. Let me read off the nominations. From the point guard position, we have Damian Lillard, Ray Allen from the shooting guards, small forwards is Paul Pierce, Power forwards is Chris Webber. Centers is Bob McAdoo. Can I give you a Chris Webber? Is it way too early for Webber? You can. You can. With uh, Webber is able to be the best player on really good teams. Pierce is able to be one of three guys, essentially, on, on teams that are as good. Webber is also one of the... It's him and Juwan Howard and Strickland that take the bullets to the playoffs. They're like the one bullet team to make the playoffs between, like, 88 and 2006 or something he has that going for him the the warriors won with him everywhere chris weber went that's gonna be a good team and i think there's just a peak of he's taken all nba selections where weber's competing with dirk and kg who are way higher on this list and obviously they played for a lot longer were dominant for a lot longer but there's a good five-year period where weber's just as good as those guys i don't think anyone left on the board gets to that level of this is one of the 10 best players in the league for a five-year stretch. That's fair. I don't know that Weber gets to that peak. He could have been one of the 10 best players in the league for a five-year stretch. It's close, though. I mean, I guess he does have the five top five MVP finishes, um, but it's a lot closer to 10 than his one. I think Weber's career dramatically changes if they win in 2002, which is, is a realistic possibility. 
I mean, Absolutely. we all know the refing scandal. Talk about the rings on the table. Left rings on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I struggle to fault him for leaving rings on the table when there's a refing scandal. That's of... true. He didn't leave them. They were, they were kind of taken off his hand. Yeah. I mean, the Kings also do have some kind of questionable performances is in that in those games there, there are a few players that like actually every other king starter in was this game six shoots below 40 percent talking doug christie at 33 percent mike bibby at 35 Vlade at 31 Hidu at 33 it's right so some of it's roughing um but but weber is really good i i would take Nick weber over pierce um, Weber was one of the players I hated the most growing up. Young Nate, and, and like this is this is my childhood. I, I don't know who I would say was better, Duncan or Weber, in the era, living in the moment. I obviously wasn't thinking about it that critically. I mean, I was ten, but like you know, as a kid, there are players that you hate because they're going to beat your team, or that you're at least scared they can beat your team. And as a brash young Lakers fan, like Weber had that had that thing from 99 2003 weber is 24 points 11 boards 4.7 i'll give him five assists a steal and a half and a block and a half on 48 percent shooting i don't think anyone else in this list gets close to that kind of no. dominance on really on both ends and defensively he's not necessarily he's not locked down but the steal and a half and the block and a half are really impressive i read off of when we were doing our power forwards he had an amazing like draymond green-esque versatile triple double game in, in the playoffs there is a lot of case cases where it, you could say hey if he just had a, a lesser role if you played him next to someone else they're multi-time champions yeah i like it awesome weber shoots up like 20 spots on, on at least my own list where does he fall in the matrix Let's see here weber in the matrix comes out 77 so yeah that, that is a pretty dramatic uptick yeah Weber is t is still for his whole career is twenty points and ten boards, four assists, a steal and a half, and a block and a half. So it's not that far off from his peak, and kind of similar to the McGrady thing, where yeah, he's putting up these numbers, but he's always banged up. Sometimes not even finishing these seasons, but he's out there. Yeah. All right. So are we comfortable with Pierce at fifty-seven? I think that's a good spot. With Weber gone, the next power forward up is George McGinnis. My guy. <laughs> Pierce is along like Pierce is a playoff guy. That's just what he is. He the scoring wing that's pretty good on defense equals like that's the guy you want in the playoffs. He's able to lead your team in scoring and match up on the other end. You can build around that guy. You can build with that guy. This guy's gonna be successful in any facet, no matter how you design this team. Paul Pierce is gonna help. Yeah, I I pick on him a lot for being a good stats bad team guy, but he does have that early run, as you mentioned. And we do pick on that era, but it's him and Antoine Walker. And it's kind of a weird mix, but Pierce Pierce is a versatile enough player that he can do a lot of things. He can be more of a scorer. He can be more of a rebounder as needed. He can be a passer or when, when asked to be. I mean, he averages almost eight assists in 2003 in a playoff series. Like, Pierce, Pierce brings a lot to the table, more so than I usually give him credit for. And it lasts forever. His, his, it la does. his last good playoff series i guess he's shooting really poorly that's the, the celtics run is he first makes his imprint in 2002 and that lasts up in 2012 where pierce is someone you have to consider you're going to see him in the playoffs 
it's a good spot for him. He doesn't have any crazy dominating series. He has, he has 2010 Eastern Conference Finals, 2003 first round. But other than that, it's just pretty good consistency, but it's consistency at a high enough level where I, I'm comfortable with it. That introduces Paul Arizon into the, the Matrix, or the, the list. And I actually like him at number 58. You like Arizon. He has a very similar case to Paul Pierce as the guy that's just kind of there, puts up good numbers. And when you get a good team around him, he can be a really good contributor on a playoff team. He has an arguable finals MVP. It was 56, so they didn't actually award it. You and I had discussed in our pre-pod meeting, there is this supposed Sam Davis Memorial MVP Award. I guess I shouldn't say supposed it existed um, that he he won in 55. It's is it 52? I thought it was 52. Was it 52? He might have gotten it in 52. Because 52 and then it's basically his best season. He's the leads the league in scoring minutes per game and field goal percentage. Then he has to go fight. I don't know where he's where he's going, but he leaves for two years to, to serve in the Marine Corps. It's just he's got a very impressive stretch. He means a lot to a championship team. I honestly cannot tell you a ton about his game. I can just tell you about his impact. And he impacted the team in a way that helped them win a championship. That's that's what matters to me. I'm all in. Paul Harrison. He also misses out on the first official MVP award by 11 votes. Uh, they just did first place voting. Bob Pettit got 33. He got 21. There would be another 24 votes that went to other guys. But, you know, there, there's there's a case. He's he's up there. You, you could make the argument him over Pierce, really, given Arizon's MVP level. But then again, it is in the 50s. Yeah. All right. So... We got two more spots today, 59 and 60. Our nominations are Damian Lillard, Ray Allen, Alex English, George McGinnis, and Bob McAdoo. See, I'm seeing a theme here. We've like moved out of guys that contributed and we're back into just like really elite players. What are you thinking? I'm weighing the scoring between Lillard and English, who I like more. I, I really like George McGinnis, but it's a pretty weak era. Um, Ray Allen actually has has a lot of things going for him here. Um, and then McAdoo, once again, weak era, but like as far as a three-year peak goes, he has the best three-year stretch of anyone here. I, I think I might go McAdoo. I think this is the right spot for McAdoo, given given the era. Because he does dominate yeah. at the right time where you can say, all right, the leagues had merged. Everyone's here. Let's see how good you are. And he, his body falls apart, but he does have a few seasons where he's incredibly good. 26 and, and 13 and 4. For the 78 Knicks. I don't even know if the Knicks were any good. Let's see. Yeah, they were good. 43 wins. And prior to that, he's dominating in the pre, the pre-merger the era, but he's really dominating. He is. The 75 year, he's averaging 34.5 points per game. That's one of the highest scoring seasons ever. He does lose in the playoffs to Dave Cowens, but he thoroughly outplays Cowens. Like, that, that is the one knock, is that he doesn't have much playoff success. But if you look at who he plays, like, it, he loses to better teams. And he is the best player in the series. Like, I, I don't know what more you want. And you know what? For whatever, for what it's worth, he's on the Lakers and wins uh, two rings. Doesn't really move yep. the needle, but he does do it. It's pretty cool. Best backup center of the 80s. There you go. There's the title. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, Mike Thompson has a great, great claim to that. I just, I say it because, God, if I have to listen to one more Celtics fan, tell me about <laughs> how Bill Walton was was instrumental to the Celtics winning. It's so important. Any bench player that plays 20 to 25 minutes, if you take them off, you're going to loot. There's going to be an impact drop, but it's not like it's a magical Bill Walton 
in the MVP to six man. We have Bob McAdoo, we have Mike Thompson doing the same thing. It's just what happened in the era. Guys got older, and actually Mike Thompson goes from being like a 20-point-per-game scorer in the playoffs the year before to being a reserve, and it, it's fine. It's fine. He probably had more in the tank. We don't we don't need to do this every day, Celtics. <laughs> so mad. So salty. All right, our last spot of the day. We have Dame, Ray Allen, Alex English, McGinnis, and our new center, Artis Gilmore. Artis is pretty similar to to McAdoo. He's able to dominate in the ABA. He is the only center in the ABA, and he's just rolling people up. And he plays for a long time in the NBA at a pretty elite level. It's not crazy. The teams aren't great either, but he is really good. There's a pretty noticeable drop-off between ABA and NBA. You know what's interesting is this the scale I had made? The last one that's per 36 and wind chairs and whatnot doesn't show that drop-off. It just shows a essentially a slow decline every single season there's i cannot tell where the aba ends and the nba begins he's just always getting worse so it's not necessarily the league's changing um this artist just slowly falling off the face of the earth there's a sizable minutes drop he goes from 39 to 35 and with it a six points per game and two and a half rebound drop so if you're using per 36 that probably doesn't show up as as clearly guy gets a lot of turnovers for being a big man just going to say it. <laughs> How many turnovers? Let's see. Yeah, 3.4. 3.4, yeah, to, to 2.3 assists. And assists to turnovers is a terrible thing to judge a big man on, but just just feels like a lot. I don't know. It feels high for Gilmore here. It's a little high. He does have the 75 season where they he wins an ABA championship. We have to note that. 24 points, 18 boards. It's a good year. Yeah, it's a good is, year. Is it Ray Allen? Is Ray Allen the other option here? I think Ray Allen's probably the other option here. I'm just thinking about it. You're thinking about McGinnis. No, no, I'm thinking Ray. This feels too high for Ray still. It does. I'm just trying to think who it doesn't feel too high for. I think that's it. I think it's Ray's the only one where I'm like, yeah, that seems about right. All right, let, let's do Artis Gilmore then. Yeah, okay, perfect. Which, man, centers, this is our 16th center off the board. Next closest position would be the point guards um, who had that, that glut in the mid-40s and early 50s or late sorry late i don't know there, there was a glut of point guards somewhere in this this rankings it was uh late 30s early 40s center's just such a deep deep position so vitally important to basketball i do wish we got to see artist gilmore in the nba instead of the aba for that time because that is such a center dominated position it, well and then he doesn't get much help when he first gets to the nba so his teams don't go anywhere. It's it's a little bit hard to judge. He never makes an all-NBA team. He makes one all-defensive second team. I, I would kind of like a little bit more than that from him. It's like a, like a large part of this is getting in off of his ABA record. In the NBA, in just the NBA, he plays in 909 games. He's 17 points, 10 boards, and 2 assists, 2 blocks. Leads league in field goal percentage four times. I think with Gilmore, even if it's a weaker era, even if it's a weaker league, even if there's no centers competing with him, he is the best player on a championship team in 1975. I don't think Ray Allen was ever good enough to get close to that. Even if everything was perfect, I don't think the the level Ray Allen gets to is there. Yeah, and Allen does have a, a great stretch where he gets his team pretty close to the finals. And I feel it's game seven or game six that they push. There's the Eastern Conference Finals, too. I suppose I can pull that up here real quick. Um, and, like, Ray Allen, so much 
so much of the thoughts about Rayon now is that Boston onwards, where it's time frame where he is just a spot up shooter and scorer. But like Milwaukee Ray Allen was a different animal. Milwaukee Ray Allen was a legit shooting guard threat that that could do a lot of things and wasn't just a shooter. I mean, what what is he averaging in three points per game? Wise in five point seven thousand one two thousand one yeah forty. So he's taking taking another ten shots from inside the arc. Um, he's getting in. He is slashing. He is scoring. And that yeah, that is the year they do push Allen Iverson and the 76ers to seven games. It's him and it's him and Big Dog. It's him and Glenn Robinson and Sam Cassell. It's like and basically Irvin Johnson, Darvin Ham. Really bad supporting cast around them, but those three guys are are good enough to to be <laughs> volunteered slaughter for the one Lakers. They would have gotten destroyed as well, but maybe maybe they had a better chance than the Sixers, given their scoring versatility. Or the Lakers just kind of honed in on Iverson and crushed him. But no, they they did not have the size to handle Shaq. At least the 76ers had Matumbo to try and and make this somewhat of a fair fight. Can I just say that every time I look at this Ray Allen career, it, it makes me mad that the Bucks traded Dirk Nowitzki. And Pat Garrity for Robert Taylor. It was bad. That's a bad trade. You could have imagined Ray Allen and Dirk just demolishing people. And he would have loved Milwaukee. Milwaukee's basically American Germany. Oh my God. The fact that he didn't get to play his career in Milwaukee is, is a shame and a travesty. Like, imagine this team. You're running out. Maybe you go small. Maybe you put Dirk at center. A Glenn, Dirk, Dirk, Sam Cassell, Ray Allen is probably. Tim Thomas, like, man, that's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. They would have been fantastic. All right. Late 90s fucked up. <laughs> they messed it up. I was looking at Toronto. They traded Marcus Camby like two days after dra- drafting Vince Carter. They could have had Damon Stoudemire, T-Mac, Vince Carter, and Marcus Camby. Like, that is, that is a solid foursome. General managers in the 2000s were idiots. They are just doing whatever with whatever, trading any guy under the age of 22 23 for any guy over the age of 33 and being like yeah this is what we needed we needed someone who just scored six points per game last season like this is gonna be our this is gonna this is our guy we'll revive him he'll get better he'll get better back all right so 40 onwards we picked gervin alan iverson dominic okens clyde drexler willis reed elvin hayes hal greer tracy mcgrady nikola Jokic, john stockton dwight howard walt frazier westbrook dave cowens anthony Davis, Chris Webber, Paul Pierce, Paul Arizon, Bob McAdoo, and Artis Gilmore. What a strange mashup of mashup of people. This is this is what the 40s and 50s are like. Well, we can't wait to see what the 60s and 70s look like. The nominations left are Damian Lillard, Ray Allen, Alex English, George McGinnis, and Spencer Haywood. <laughs>